Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, Ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my, it's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others, here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and unfortunately, I'm not here with my co-host, PK, because she is still having some problems with her back. So thank goodness she has a devoted daughter who's helping to take care of her, trying to get to the root cause of this uh, semi-paralysis. She can't really get around and anyway, she's really sorry she can't be here tonight, and I'll tell you why. She is the one who suggested our guest this evening, William Stillman. He's a psychic medium. I'll be introducing him in just a couple of minutes. But PK was like, we have to have William on the show. He has another great book. We've got to get him on. And so I did, and then unfortunately... PK had her incident last week and uh, was unable to make that show and now unable to make this show that she really wanted to be here for to talk to William. So anyways, she'll just have to listen to the recording, I guess. So welcome everybody who's joining us because this will be a very interesting show. And if you are psychic and if you are a psychic medium, then William has some great suggestions for you and how to walk through this whole landscape. It's very important to know what to do, how to do it, how to handle all of the energies that you're juggling. And so William's an expert at that, and he's going to be on in just a couple minutes and tell us how this should work. Also, make sure you go to our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, read the stories there. As you know, we are actively looking for an expert in Antarctica. Now, as you recall, we did have John D'Souza, former FBI agent, on several years back. After that, all of the information on Antarctica was just cut off. So we've been looking for somebody who may have an inside story on all of what's going on down there because there seems to be a lot of activity. And we'd like to bring you the latest and greatest. So as soon as we find somebody, we're going to bring them on to the show. And I just wanted to remind you that we are in November now, and next month you will probably all get your estimated property tax bills. So be sure to get a copy of the book, 
Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. And this book is by attorney Patricia Quintilian. It is a little bit out of date, but it has the basics for you. You really need to get your property record card, a cost value sheet, and look at how you are being assessed and on what. So if you read the horror stories in the book, and there's a whole chapter of those, you'll see how people have been taxed on structures, additions, etc., that they don't even have. But it's up to you. The responsibility is on your shoulders to find the errors and approach your assessors to get them corrected. If they don't want to correct the errors, there are some legal channels you can follow to try to get it fixed. But if you don't approach them within the year of this error being caught, you have no hope, no hope at all, of getting any of your money returned, even if it was paid and uh, and it was wrong. It doesn't matter. So be sure to get a copy of this book. It's on Amazon. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it by attorney Patricia Quintilian. And another book that makes a great Christmas present is the English translation of a very old treatise called Opus Mago Cabalisticum. You can get it on Amazon. It was translated by Professor McVeigh, who is the head of the German chair at Smith College. And he did an, a magnificent job of translating Old German, which is very different from the German that is spoken today. But this book is a book that Lon Duquette, an expert in all things occult, um, he saw this book at a library. He said that it was like a Harry Potter library for real. There was this book, the one that I had translated by Professor McVeigh. And it was also being given away as a door prize, which was unbelievable to me. It's a, it's a beautiful book to read that gives you insight to a lot of the old alchemical thoughts and and the theosophy around it all it's just it's a wonderful walk back into antiquity and into occult science and again it's opus mago cabalisticum so those books check them out for sure and let's get started oh my goodness so let me tell you about our guest tonight now, he is a psychic medium and internationally known, and he's also an award-winning author. He's the author of the Autism and the God Connection book trilogy that explores aspects of spiritual giftedness and many people with autism. These books encompass Autism and the God Connection, The Soul of Autism, which has been translated in three languages to, to date, and the Autism Prophecies. Now, his other books of the paranormal genre include The Secret Language of Spirit, Understanding Spirit Communication in Our Everyday Lives, Conversation with Dogs, A Psychic Reveals, What Our Canine Companions Have to Say, and How You Can Talk to Them Too, and Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them, about spiritual warfare, and how negative spiritual entities affect those of us who are susceptible. And he has a brand new book out. We're going to be talking about that one tonight. And it's called The Practicing Psychic. 
an essential guide for staying grounded, navigating skeptics, and honoring your gift. William, welcome to the show. Hey, Patricia. Thanks so much for having me back, and hello and good evening to all of our listeners. Well, it's a pleasure having you here again, and again, you're such a great writer. This book was wonderful. You have terrific advice, but let's start with your personal experience, because you you had some very unusual things happen when you were young. Tell us about this. I did have some unusual things happen when I was young, or things that I realize now as an adult were rather unusual. I remember having a lot of deja vu experiences as a kid. I remember having uh, premonitions of things that came to fruition. Uh, There were a couple of instances where I had dreams that were very vivid, and in some of those dreams, uh, they were recurring dreams, and I would for example, in the dream, be on the front lawn of my home and picking pennies out of the grass. And the next day, that actually happened, and that happened in two separate locations, believe it or not. Um, my goodness. So I was a really, really sensitive uh, young kid. And, you know, I'm a child of the 60s, so I remember – you know, Peter, Paul, and Mary's songs would just cause me to become so emotional that I would burst into tears. You know, where have all oh. the flowers gone? And, you know, yeah. that kind of sensitivity is, you know, kind of unusual, especially in a little boy. But yes. unfortunately, what happened is as I was growing and maturing and my peers were becoming a little more sophisticated, that kind of sensitivity didn't go over so well with them. I bet. And... I was uh, most definitely odd man out, and I was, you know, verbally abused and physically harassed, and my speech and my body language were openly mocked and mimicked in front of adults. And I didn't have a support system within my own family. And so, regrettably, I descended into a very dark period of time. I began reflecting back what other people were projecting upon me, I became attracted to dark things. Dark things found me loud and clear. And so all of that sensitivity that I had experienced as a very young kid got blocked up. Mm-hmm. And so I am living proof that it is never too late to rediscover and reclaim your spiritual gifts and talents because I only started working as a professional psychic medium in my 40s. Wow. So you started later in life with this. It was a very circuitous route to get here, but I understand (laughs) now why, why all of that was necessary, because especially the unpleasant parts, because it, it grants me perspective and insight into the people that are clients that are experiencing it now, either themselves or uh, family members of theirs. Hmm. In fact, in the Practicing Psychic, Psychic, there's a chapter on all of that stuff because I know a lot of people who are in this field, they want to do, you know, light and love and, you know, uh, that's great. But in my opinion, you've, you've got to know what you're up against because there's the very real possibility of encountering this stuff either through your clients or because it wants to cause you to become undone 
so that you are less effective in manifesting your talents and your gifts in service to others. Well, it makes sense what you're saying. And so many times we've heard from people, especially through the last year, that have been disappointed what they call new age um, people who are doing this kind of work and haven't been able to see with any clarity the evil that's around them. And yeah. so we've had a couple people call them out and say, you know, you, you, they're missing the point. You know, they're they're not able to see clearly enough to see what's right in front of them. So what does that say about their ability to help you on a personal level? You know, so this is, these are very important questions here. Well, it, that's part of the motivation for having written the practicing psychic, Patricia, is I, I believe it's the first book of its kind in that it's not a how-to book. It's not a how-to develop your psychic gifts and talents because there are dozens of books like that. But this is really a book about um, how, to, how to break into this field and do it in a way that is proper. I, to my knowledge, there is no Hippocratic Oath Code of Ethics handbook for people who are psychics or people who are psychic mediums. And when I started out in this field almost 20 years ago, uh, I was aware of one other person um, in my general area who was doing this professionally. And now I'm aware of, you know, probably two dozen. And so Gosh. I've seen a lot of, yeah, a lot of people who, you know, want to get in on this, and that's all well and good, but you have, to, you have to have the proper perspective. You have to have altruistic intentions. I just had someone sit with me this past week who said, I want to do what you do so I can be successful. Hmm. And my response was, that, that's not the motivation. That's not your reason, because you personally want to be successful, because you want to shock and awe people, or you want to be seen as special or superior to other people. That's not why you do it. And so there's, exactly. I, I really wanted to, yeah, I really wanted to put out there this essential, as the, the subtitle says, an essential guide for, for people who are maybe just about to make that decision about getting into this or who are maybe in their first year in doing it. And, you know, I didn't have a teacher. I didn't have a mentor. I'm totally self-taught in all that I did. When I was kind of emerging and evolving and going through this process of figuring out what's what, I kept reaching out to people and they kept saying, well, you need, a, you need to sign up for a psychic reading with me. That's not what I wanted. And I, I never have wanted that. I just mm -hmm. wanted to know, did the same things happen to you that are happening to me now? And so yes. I decided, you know, I, I really don't want anyone else to be in that position. And if there's anything that I can do to help them navigate not just the nuts and bolts business at angle of it, but also the, the importance of being grounded, the importance of staying authentic, the importance of understanding you have to turn on and then you have to turn off, and then to, to grant people some guiding principles, um, then I wanted to put that out there. And as we were talking um, prior to coming on air, I had actually sold the book to another publisher. 
Um, and so what's really interesting about that is that I, you know, I had submitted to them the proposal and sample chapters I had already gotten, um, some advanced blurbs, which to the layperson, a blurb is um, a quote of endorsement from someone who's read the manuscript, sold the book, and I uh, was working with a really young editor, and she wanted to cut like two-thirds of it. <laughs> and I said, that's not, that's not what I sold you. <laughs> exactly. What she that's not what I sold you. A pamphlet? Oh, my God. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and so I paid back the advance, um, found another publisher. We parted ways, found another publisher, and here it is. And it's the book that I, I felt that it absolutely had to be. Well, you're a person of great integrity. I mean, that's what PK and I know about you. I mean, you you walk your talk, and I mean, I always I'm always concerned about guests calling in on time, and I'm not worried about that with you ever. You know, it's like you're there, you're on time. You say you're going to be there, you're there. So it's you know, you are a person who who does what you say you're going to do, and who better to show us the way? than you so that's why i think this book is perfect that you're the writer and you're also the experiencer and you can help a lot of people who do have a share a similar talent and and need some direction and some some guidance in this because you're yeah, right there I, are so expect, many more people yeah. doing this absolutely there is and it, you know do i expect everyone to, to follow everything that I put out there 100%, of course not. I mean, it's, it's there for you to consider. It's there for you to process and percolate upon and, you know, figure out how to make it your own. But I, I really saw, as, you, as we were saying, more and more people coming into this field and they're kind of, you know, freewheeling it and they're doing things that I don't think are very ethical uh, and some of that may be their own naivete, so I can't fault them necessarily. But um, I really felt like there needed to be something put out there that people could use, again, as sort of like this Hippocratic oath for psychics, this code of yeah. ethics handbook. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Because, yeah, I, I can see where in a situation like that you can dazzle everybody with your psychic mediumship abilities but that's not what this is for. But people can get lost in that. I mean, people can, oh boy, can get you better into believe the ego it. in it. I'm sure you've seen it a you bunch of times. You better believe it. Well, we've seen it, yeah. sure. We've all seen yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, for you, I wanted to go back to an experience you do talk about in your new book, and that is when you were lying in bed and you felt electrical stimulation just going up and down your body. What? What was happening? How did that, why did that occur? Do you know? I just got a little bit of a chill as you're bringing that to mind because that happened 21 years ago, Patricia. I was in oh a gosh. job. I was in a job, and I'm recalling it so vividly now. I was working in a, in a position in state government, and I, I was increasingly dissatisfied um, and I, at the same time, had been sort of slowly peeling away the layers of the onion in, in reclaiming that sensitivity that I had been as a very small child. I, I was putting effort into becoming an improved version of my old self because, remember, I was not a very nice person. 
for uh, quite a quite a long period of time, probably decades, mm. because mm-hmm. I had been in defensive mode and reflecting back what people were projecting upon me. So right. I was undergoing personal <clears throat> transformation, but I I was home one day from uh, work and I, I, I was kind of feeling called to this field, feeling like I, I think I'm ready to launch. So I said in a prayer, I said, God, I'm going to lie down and take a nap and please in a dream, show me the answer. Show me what I, sh- why I need to be doing. So I laid down to take a nap and um, <laughs> nothing happened. <laughs> but, but that was that was on my time and that wasn't God's time. Mm-hmm. That night, after I had forgotten all about it, I was shaken awake at about 2 a.m. in the morning. I had just had this really po- profound dream with... Um, amazing iconic imagery in it that spoke to me and also as I was awakening as you reference I was feeling this electric current running up and down the length of my entire body I have never felt that before or since and I took a leap of faith and I gave notice at work the next day wow I gave up everything I gave up my salary my benefits use of a state car when I needed it all sorts of perks. Now, I'm not advocating that our listeners do that, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a very, it was a great risk. But for what me, what was it though? What was it, uh, William, about that? I mean, because to have an awakened experience with that kind of electrical stimulation, I mean, some people might just go, "Wow," and thought it was having a seizure or something. But somehow, you knew this was something that was urging you to make a major change. How did you know that? I knew that my prayer had been answered, the prayer that I had forgotten all about because I didn't get what I wanted when I expected to get it. The prayer was answered. Uh-huh. And I was, just, I was just awakening from having had this really beautiful, amazing dream that was telling me what to do. And so it was almost like the, the tingling, the vibrating of the electricity was reinforcing me and my recall of the dream and I gave right. like I said I gave notice at work the next day and it has just been an amazing ride ever since it keeps getting wow. bigger and better and more fruitful and um, I am so grateful and I thank God for it every day that's an amazing story now when you did this did your friends and relatives kind of look a little askance at you and go what the heck is he doing he's got this gravy job He's got all these benefits. What does he think he's doing? Did you have any of that? Not not really, no. Um, You know, I didn't have anything else lined up, but lo and behold, you know, the work work began to, to take hold. It began to come in. I began to get, you know, invitations and opportunities, and it just, you know, it was the absolute right time. Great. I don't know how else to describe it except that I just knew. I just knew it was the right thing to do. Again, I'm not advocating that our listeners do this <laughs> necessarily, right. but it, it was really the culmination or the, the pinnacle event of what a lot of my efforts had been leading up to. And I didn't yes. hesitate. 
I just knew, and I haven't looked back. Gosh, what an exciting leap of faith that was. And look at where you are today, an established author, very successful, internationally renowned for what you do. So it obviously works. It worked for you beautifully. Now, I'm getting some questions in my text about autism and how do you fit with that. Have you been diagnosed? Do you have Asperger's? A lot of people want to know your connection to that. I, yeah, I do have Asperger's, and I only learned about that when I was in my mid-30s, and I learned about it from uh, a couple of people with autism. And because uh, the field that I was working in uh, was in um, a department of state government that was overseeing uh, the statewide delivery of services to people with um, uh, developmental differences. And we were just beginning to explore autism. And so if you want to know about autism, you go to the experts, you go to the people who experience it. And so we were connecting with uh, parents of individuals with autism and also people with autism themselves. And boy, you know, the more... I was interacting with them and talking with them, the more I realized I had a lot in common with them. I didn't, I didn't think I was autistic, but boy, it, it made a lot of sense of my childhood and my adolescence and my young adulthood. And so I had conversations with two uh, psychiatrists, uh, one of whom I ended up co-presenting with at Psychiatric Grand Rounds at the medical center. And, um, I have embraced I have embraced that aspect of my personhood. Uh, it's not something in which I have any kind of formal background or formal training, and yet I've gone on to do about ten ten books on the topic, and it's all drawing from my personal history and what I know to be true about myself. And so, three of those books uh, tie the concept of being uh, exquisitely sensitive and inherently gentle, as so many people with autism are, to a heightened spiritual consciousness and an ability to tap into an aspect of personhood that I believe we're all privy to, but for many people it is dormant. And so uh, the first book on that subject was Autism and the God Connection. That came out 15 years ago, and uh, I followed it up with two sequels. That's just amazing. I mean, Asperger's, I I know several people that um, were not formally diagnosed, but they fit the profile of being on the spectrum with Asperger's. And, And a lot of them are just brilliant and yet have the social anxiety and uh, yes. the the need to withdraw from social contact, more being more comfortable um, withdrawing yes. from it. So it's it's an, it's interesting that it's taken all this time for people to identify it. And well, so, you mentioned I mean, my you, mon- <laughs> you mentioned my punctuality. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I do I I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it. Uh, you know, how novel! <laughs> because, what a I novel I, concept! <laughs> I, ex- 
Yeah, I expect, I, I mean, I've been disappointed by people because I expect the same of other people, and yet not everyone functions that way. And I say what I mean, and I mean what I say. Yeah. But not everyone, not everyone operates that way. Mm-hmm. No, many do not, especially the politicians. They don't seem to operate that way, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, yeah. But you have taken this to an entirely new level of understanding and and also connection to spirit, which is quite remarkable. So again, everybody, take a look at William's books on autism. If you know somebody uh, who is on the spectrum, or if they have children. They could be these books could be instrumental uh for you in helping them or them helping themselves or their children so yeah, so I'm glad this, these questions came up from the audience wanting to know I appreciate more about that you. also you know uh, uh, again the, the only three of the books uh, connect autism to spirituality, but the other books are really you know very um practical uh down to earth um advice and guidance and direction. That's it's incredible. We need who are it and raising kids yeah. uh, on the autism yeah. spectrum. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some some statistics that are quite startling about autism growing uh, exponentially in children. So uh, these books that you've written, even though it was 15 years ago for the first one, they're very important books. So I'm glad you wrote them. So getting back to to the uh, psychic mediumship and the paranormal and everything, what are some of the mistakes you see people making that lead them down the wrong road? Well, uh, again, we we sort of touched upon it earlier. It's the whole concept of wanting to do this because you have a need to feel – superior, you want to be singled out as special, you think it's edgy or trendy, uh, and you want to make money doing it. Um, If that's your motivation, then please find something else to do, because Mm -hmm. that's, that's not why we do this. We do this to employ the very best of our spiritual gifts and talents in order to be of service to others. And also, you have to distinguish prior to getting into this field, are you a psychic or are you a psychic medium? And there's well, a difference, the difference there. Yeah, tell us the difference so everybody in the audience understands. It's important to know the difference, and it's important to know the difference if you are the practitioner, but it's also important to know the difference if you are the client seeking the practitioner. So a psychic is someone who can give you intuitive guidance about many different aspects of your life. So they can help you with direction around a romance, career. Should you sell your home and move? Are you going to travel? What's going on with your children? What's going on with your pets? A psychic can also make uh, some predictions and forecast a vision for what the future may hold for you as well. Uh, Some psychics may also be able to help you find missing items that are valuable, that you know are in the house somewhere, but you can't for the life of you find them. Okay. Mm -hmm. A psychic medium 
is someone who can do all of that, but also is able to connect to the soul energy and the essence of loved ones who have passed on. And so if you believe that you're a psychic medium, and I have to tell you, it took me a while to kind of embrace that term as well, because once you do that, you are raising the bar and it ratchets up exponentially in terms of people's expectations of what it is you're going to be able to do for them. Interesting. You see the mm-hmm. difference? Oh, yeah. See the difference? And that is a huge, huge responsibility. And you, you have to be pretty darn good at what you do to be able to put yourself out there and to call yourself a medium. Because That's when people sure. book an yeah. appointment, absolutely. I mean, sometimes people come to you, if you're a medium, people are raw, they're emotional, they're desperate, and you're not a doctor, you're not a psychologist, you're not a marriage counselor, you're not a mental health therapist, but you're going to find yourself in a position to be dispensing advice similar to those professionals. And you, you really have to be completely confident in what it is that you're doing and every word that you use has to be done, has to be communicated in a way that is compassionate and also ethical because people are hanging on your every word, particularly if you're yeah. a medium. No. Yeah, and, and so and it's serious. Would, uh, you know, it uh, is. Sorry, Patricia. I like to have a good time with folks. I like to laugh. Uh, there's a lot of times that uh, loved ones, when things get a little too serious, they'll add some levity to the conversation, which I always appreciate. But um, it, it's serious stuff. Well, it is. And, again, you're you're facilitating a conversation, basically, between their loved one and them. And so it, you better be accurate as, much, as best you can. And it's not that easy to do. You're talking about jumping on somebody else's frequency that has passed, so their frequency is, is much different. And it also is translated much differently. It's, it's, you really have to have that special kind of talent to be able to do that. And it's, it's, I don't think everybody's born with this ability. It's just my personal opinion. I know a lot of people go, oh, anybody can do this. Now, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of people that, that can't do this. And not only just don't want to, but just can't. It's, it's a very special kind of a talent to have, in my opinion. And there's probably people that shouldn't be doing it (laughs) if they could do it right let me say this (laughs) i believe that we all have gifts and talents and those of us who are really blessed and fortunate are able to parlay those gifts and talents into a vocation and an avocation or hobby but i do i do firmly believe that we all have spiritual gifts and talents as well but the the neat thing about being human is patricia's spiritual gifts and talents are going to manifest differently 
than my spiritual gifts and talents because they're being filtered through a channel that is unique to who you are. That's and right. that's part of why I've, I've never really felt a sense of competition with other people who do what I do because I know that none of us are going to be giving um, the exact same insights and perspectives, again, because the information is being filtered through this unique channel. And, I'm, I'm a, and my students know, I, um, this is one of my mantras, it doesn't come from me, it comes through me. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that, that's part of Very the different. humility of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you teach classes in this when you say groups? Are you teaching this? I do. I've been teaching it for about 15 years now. Uh, I have been doing it in person, and then since the pandemic, I've also been doing it online. Uh, and, it, it, you know, it's been amazing. Uh, I, I walk people through the best of what I know, the best of what I've learned, having been completely self-taught, we do a guided meditation, and then I pair them up with total strangers and give them exercises to do, and everybody's doing it. And, Patricia, in 15, 16 years I've been teaching this, I've never been disappointed. And people shock and amaze themselves at what they're capable of doing. That is great. Well, how would people get a hold of you in order to participate in a class situation? People can go to williamstillman.com. They can check out my books there. They can look at my schedule. People can also go to Facebook, William Stillman Psychic Medium, and they can see my events are listed there as well. Perfect. Yeah, that's important information for my audience. So um, when you're also available for private readings and you do group readings, which you really enjoy doing, you said, right? I, I love doing those group galleries probably most of all. It is so much fun. Um, it is fascinating to me personally. I'm learning new things all the time based upon what people's deceased loved ones are saying goes on over there where they are. <laughs> and um, I, I, I just enjoy that whole process. I was just in a theater um, last, last weekend, as a matter of fact, last Saturday night and uh, had, a, had a ball. And the, the fascinating thing, and you might be interested and our listeners might be interested, when I do an event like that, about uh, 48 to 24 hours in advance, I will prepare uh, a series of um, notes that inform the, the first half of the event. The first half of the event, I come already prepared knowing what it's going to be. And then we wow. take an intermission, and then I do, I do questions and answers. But I, you, you know those um, free, like, community courier newspapers you get in the mail? Yeah. And, like, I got, like, the AARP magazine. I, I collect all of these random freebie newsletters and things that you get in the mail, and I save them up in advance of um, a, an event. And about 48 to 24 hours in advance, I'll get myself alone. I'll say a little prayer. You know, you have to turn on. And I'll say, now, this is for Saturday night. And I'll go through in one magazine or one newspaper will be for one person. The next will be for the next person and so on. And I'll gather about five or six pages of notes. And on each page of notes, there's about seven or eight different points. My attention gets 
distracted to completely or seemingly random bits of information, a name, uh, a description, you know, a, a lawnmower, um, uh, someone's a librarian, and it's intended to single out one person in the room who connects with most, if not every single point on that page, and it never fails. It is absolutely wow. fascinating. Wow, that's great. Well, give us an example of, like last week when you were doing these, of, of some points you brought up and then how the reading unfolded from there. I'll have to try to remember. I know there's an example in the book, um, and if, if I can oh, find it that quickly, one. Sure. Uh, maybe I can, <laughs> maybe I can talk about that one. I know for that sure. the one that the example that's in the book, I actually went to an antique mall and did it. I walked around oh. an antique mall, and I um, I was jotting down. Um, information, uh, things that, you know, just randomly were attracting my attention. I started out with something pertaining to the cartoon, the Flintstones, and then I saw a stuffed cocker spaniel, and then I kept seeing things related to um, a man fishing, like uh, I saw the cover of a magazine, a field and stream magazine, and then I saw fishing rods and lures, so I wrote all that stuff down. I kept seeing things related to Coca-Cola. I kept seeing um, commemorative coins. And again, to the layperson, this would just seem, you know, just completely random minutia, not having any serious meaning. But sure enough, it it connected to one person in the room, and she said, "I think I think that's my dad coming through." And she went and explained all of this. She said. Um, you know, we used to watch the Flintstones together. I thought he looked like Fred Flintstone. When I was 16, he gave me a when I was 16, he gave me a cocker spaniel, and I ended up oh. reading them. Wow. Uh, what were the other things? He he was a fisherman, and he actually moved to Alaska so he could fish. Um, he collected Coca-Cola, and I actually have some of his Coke uh, crates that he gave me. Um, hanging on my wall, and when he passed, he bequeathed to me his commemorative coin collection and uh, said that I was to divide them among my own children. So that's that's an example of how it happens, and it's absolutely fascinating. And like I said, it never, ever fails. It's just truly amazing. That's tremendous that you are so self-taught and you were able to come to uh, a system that really works, and it works every time. I mean, that's one of the complaints a lot of researchers have about the paranormal, is they can't get it to be consistent. But you have with this method you've you've used successfully. So, and what's so amazing, what's so amazing about it, Patricia, is this is all happening about 24 to 48 hours in advance of the event, and. I never do anything connected to registration or collecting the money or anything like that. And so I have absolutely no idea who's going to be in the room before I yeah, get there. But somehow, right, somehow, some way, the, this mm. spiritual energy knows 24 to 48 hours in advance who will be there. I guess there's no time and space for them, so that's great. Hey, I've got a question <laughs> for you, William about 
how things are changing so rapidly in the world right now. It just everybody talks about how time seems to be moving faster. I, in fact, somebody I know sent me an article saying the Earth is actually spinning faster. And I just saw I that was, too. You did. Isn't that the wildest thing? So here's my question, though. We see all these rapid changes going on. I mean, these volcano threats from La Palma that uh, may affect the rest of the world in a catastrophic way, and just all kinds of things changing and moving in a way that it's very hard to keep up with it all. My question is, when you speak to people on the other side, do they experience something happening over there too? Are things changing rapidly in the spiritual realm? Wow, that's a great question. I'll have to make a point of asking them that. <laughs> What's going on over okay. there? Not that any not that anyone has come out and and discussed with a client because that's I, I don't just connect to people just sort of as part of my everyday process. It would be in the context of interacting with a client or being in a room full of people. But um, that's an interesting question to to consider. Uh, I have noticed also, in fact, I was thinking about it today because I was reminiscing about my past, how far I've come, relationships I've had with other people in the past, and it does feel like things are really accelerating. I I chalked it up to getting older and, you know, <laughs> when you're young, time yeah. seems to drag and then at, right. the older you get, the more it seems to speed up. But it really does feel like things are accelerating and I'm, uh, gosh, I just don't know. I don't know what's going on. You know, the past five years or so have been really rough for a lot of people. The pandemic's been challenging. I'm not sure what's going on or where all of this is leading, but perhaps it is also part of a wake-up call for us to try to rally together and those of us who get it, who are conscious and aware, to to really try to stick together. Yeah, I mean, that is a, a big message, I think, that's been coming out regularly from all of this. But I have spoken, I have to say, to young people and asked them if they're, how they're feeling about time moving fast, and they all say the same thing we're saying. So, and like you, I used to think it's only because I'm old, you know, so now everything's still so fast. But no, I'm talking to people in their teens, and they say the same thing. So, so something is shifting, and I like your word that you used, acceleration. That's the word. It's Everything is so accelerated right now. Um, so I'll be interested to hear when you, you speak to them on the other side if they're experiencing any of this at all. Well, maybe they have a part in it. I don't know. It'll it'll be ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. It will be. Oh my goodness! Now we have well, a question you know what, from. Well, oh, yeah, go ahead. can I just interject something kind yeah, of crazy please. and far out there as we're talking yeah, about this, please. Patricia? I also got just a real flash of. Uh, this is going to sound really far out, but I got a flash of connecting all of this to. Um, a reveal around um, our relationship to extraterrestrials. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Now that would be interesting. And I feel like that's accelerating and picking up some momentum. 
So maybe oh. it's somehow connected. I don't know. It may very well be. I know we've had a couple of astrologers on. They both talked about independently, talked about some big metaphysical type event happening. And as we all know, the Pentagon report was a big nothing burger uh, coming from them, you know, pretending like they don't know what these things are. Yes, they're in our skies, but we don't know what they are. It's so ridiculous. So if there was going to be some type of reveal i can't imagine it's going to be coming from the government it would have to be a more dramatic type of of experience where they're either landing they're in our skies and it's a place where it can't be denied and here they are so that would be very interesting if that occurred but it's been on people's minds more than ever before people aren't making fun of it you know they're as much And you talk about skeptics in your book, too. But there's less of that, and there's more uh, animosity directed at the government for withholding information. Well, it's so interesting. When you you reflect on um, pop culture um, and you think about how, you know, if you go back to H.G. Wells and War of the Worlds, which might have been probably one of the earliest – works of fiction to explore the invasion of our planet by an extraterrestrial uh, presence. And then, you know, I, I think into all of the 1950s sci-fi movies where, you know, we're being invaded by all kinds of, um, man, you know, man-eating aliens and so on. And, and then I think about, well, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, I think about Contact, I think about the movie Arrival, which I I loved so much. And it's sort of shifting the perspective of extraterrestrials from, you know, this very nefarious, destructive force to something that um, wants to help and to our benefit. Yeah, I mean, that has made it... bit of a shift there and I think also the shift has occurred with people not trusting the government anymore that they don't trust what comes out on, on these ridiculous reports because they they know too many people with cell phones that have taken videos and and also so many credible people that have had abduction experiences like uh Carl Higdon, uh, Betty Andreessen, you know, there's Travis Walton. There's so many people that have stood by their experience and also people that know them stand by their experience. So, yeah, it, that that would be very interesting if everything is speeding up and it has something to do with an extraterrestrial reveal. I did just see an article that NASA is trying to get something together on how they're going to talk about the fact that there's extraterrestrial life. It's like, like we don't know that. I mean, come on. We know that already, guys. uh, Like, they're just trying to find uh, a way to own it. Like, it all belongs to them and has to go through them. But we know that, too. So it's going to be very interesting times. But I'm I'm very, uh, very interested and what you said about this metaphysical event and, and possibly about extraterrestrial involvement. I think the extraterrestrials well, uh, need to stop dealing with the government and start dealing with us directly. And I don't well, mean I think it's happening. Either. I think it's happening. Here, I'll throw you a curveball. This is not in yes, any of please. my books. 
but yeah, there hear. have been a couple of okay, there have been maybe two or three occasions where I have channeled what I believe to be a benevolent extraterrestrial presence. My eyes were closed. I was in a group of people. He was answering people's questions before they were asked. He was singling out people in the room who had unusual experiences before they even said anything. I mean, it was really profound. And what this presence was talking about is one of the uh, rationales for the abductions is to implant people, um, and it's um, mostly men, but to implant them uh, either behind their one of their ears, usually the right ear, and all of these people had some kind of weird nodule behind their ear that they've always had, or strangely enough, uh, on a man's testicle, on one of his testicles. And the the idea is that they are slowly, steadily, but surely defining by personality type people that they called nobles, the noble, hmm. people who are strate- strategic, strategically placed in their communities such that they can be the voice of reason to answer questions, to contain hysteria when the reveal is made. And so I think you're onto wow. something in that it's, prob- it's probably not going to come from the government. It's probably mm-hmm. going to come um, in, a, in a more pervasive wave uh, globally. That makes sense to me. Uh, it really does. And it's fascinating what you just described about being able to communicate what this entity had to say and how it knew ahead of time the questions that people were going to ask. I would think you'd be a perfect person to do that. So very interesting. Did they give you a name or a planet or any place of of (laughs) origin? I I did ask for a name. I said, what what do I call you? And I heard... The only thing, you know, being a kid of the 60s, do you remember Flipper? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like this, uh, this underwater clicking noises that I, I kind of would associate with dolphins almost. And I said, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to pronounce that. Is there something else I can call you? And he said, call me Richard. And I thought, oh. well, that's so strange. I mean, why? It, it, it wasn't exotic oh, enough sounding, you know. Yeah, Richard. But then I, you know, after I thought about it, I googled, I googled the name Richard, and it translates to powerful leader. Oh my goodness! Wow, how about it, huh? That's pretty perfect. That's great. So it makes now, sense. Did he only come through that one time, or has he come through other times too? It's been about uh, it's been about two or three times that's happened. That is very cool. Very cool. I hope you turn that into something that we can all read, or listen to, or something because it sounds fascinating. It is absolutely fascinating, and to me too. Trust me, I get blown away by this stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, anytime another entity comes in to the mix and you're communicating with an entity, not just somebody who has passed over, who's had a human life, but either an interdimensional or an ET, it, it takes a whole different turn, doesn't it? It's a whole different Well, I have energy. to tell you, 
I was, you, you know, Whitley Stryber. Oh yeah, we know Whitley. Yep. Yeah, he wrote Communion. Yes. Well, I was yes. talking with him recently, and um, one of the things that um, this presence was telling me, and uh, sorry, we're getting really off topic here, aren't we? But no, that's okay. <laughs> maybe your listeners will find this, this what interesting. What happens here? <laughs> one of the things, one of the things this entity was telling me was that his race, they have no digestive system. They have mm-hmm. no teeth. That There's no need for them to, to eat and chew, um, and they don't talk. And so they have no, uh, you know, gastrointestinal digestive system. But I was shown that they, they inhale their nutrients, which are airborne, and then they, they excrete the waste through their skin which evaporates into the air. And when I told Whitley this, he said, like, there's only two other people in the world that know that. I mean, he was so stunned. So it it just lends validity to the authenticity of what I believe I was channeling, which was this extraterrestrial presence. That is just so great. Oh, I hope you do something with all this information. I hope you're taping it as it's happening that you have a record because this is really leading edge stuff so i mean again my audience here they're some of the smartest people in the world and they ask great questions and they're very well informed and we all get to a point where we're tired of hearing the same old stuff this is something new and this is new to us so that's why i'm i'm urging you to consider doing something with it because it's it's very, I think it's right on point. I do believe you are talking to somebody who is an ET. I just sense, again, you're a very authentic person, and I think another authentic ET found you and matched up. So, yeah, love to hear more about all of this. Maybe this is your next book, I will keep, William. <laughs> I will keep you posted, yes. I will keep you posted. <laughs> yeah, you better. This is really, really leading edge. I love it. I love it. This is wonderful. Um, and I know uh, we have a caller on the line. I'm going to bring them in. I know you're not doing readings tonight, so if this is a readings question, um, that's another for another show. But let me bring them on. And then I wanted to get back to your other book. And we talked about this. Oh, yes. Um, what about ghosts and demons affecting us and how to combat that? So let me get this person on the phone. This is area code 216. So just put him on a live mic. Hi, area code 216. Uh, what's your name? Yes, hi. My name hi. is Patricia. Ah, another Patricia. Hi, Patricia. Do you have a question hi. for William? Uh, yes. Um, I see that uh, you're, uh, you honor your gift with your uh, Bill, uh, Bill Stillman. Um, I'm not a skeptic, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, I was just wanting to know, uh, and I am intuitive, and um, and I just, you know, constantly and just discovering, you know, how much of that and clairsentient and so on. I would like to ask a question, basically. Are you going to do any reading, or can you? Patricia, I'm I'm not prepared to do that this evening uh, because, uh-huh. as you may know, 
that's, that's a process that I must engage in prior to doing any of the work where I have to turn on so that I feel I'm going to be at my very best for you. But um, perhaps uh, Patricia Baker and I can talk about maybe another opportunity in the future where I could come back and maybe do a, a, a show on uh, answering questions when I am turned on. Would that be okay? Uh, sure. That's fine. That's fine with me, and we would definitely love to have you back, William, to offer readings to our audience members. So, uh, Patricia, keep looking at our calendar, and I will try to get William rescheduled, and you can come back and get your reading. Okay. Well, can I ask, though, um, as I said, I'm just really starting to really be and really understanding and learning my uh, intuitive psychic and I you know and I know some people say intuitive some people say psychic um can you give me any suggestions on um how to continually uh keep developing that and plus you know especially in this time of so much change on the planet planetary and you know and health and emotional and finances and mother earth and so many other things, uh, what suggestions you might have for, like, grounding persons who are in, in path and, you know, uh, intuitives? Yep. That's a great question, Patricia, and I'm hoping I didn't disappoint you too, too much by um, not being prepared to do a reading for you. But um, I, I also had to grapple with, uh, that that concept of mod, moderating and regulating uh, myself, because I I recall you know early on when I was you know again reawakening that dormant aspect of my personhood, I would be going down the frozen food aisle in the grocery store and start sobbing because I feel like I was picking up on the person behind me. So you wow. can't live life like that. I mean, real life is we have to operate in the real world. We have to be, you know, conscious and aware of being accessible to the people in our lives. We have to, you know, earn a living at our jobs. We have to run errands for friends and family. We have to be taking care of loved ones and so on. And so what I really make a point of stressing in uh, The Practicing Psychic, the book, is not only knowing your gifts and talents, and you named one of them. You said you were clairsentient, which means you you feel things. You don't you don't know how you know. You just know. Um, but also how to regulate that so that you turn on, and then you turn off. Nobody should be turned on 24/7 like they make it look on television. <laughs> no, right? No. Because what what's going to happen is if you allow yourself to be turned on. All the time, you're going to very seriously erode your mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual well-being. And those are the very three domains that you need to thrive and keep healthy so that you are able to employ your spiritual gifts and talents in service to others. Yes. So is there any Does that help to, that that help to answer your share, question? Uh, that would help Patricia stay grounded besides just turning on and off and learning that sometimes you have yep. to have okay. downtime. 
Yes, absolutely. So there's a couple of, of thoughts that I have for you, Patricia. So uh, the first is imagine in the center of your chest or, or in the area of where your heart is located a dial. And before you go into a situation, for example, you're going into um, – uh, a crowded environment like a mall or the grocery store, set the dial uh, in such a way that you will be uh, adapting it and adapting your energy to the climate of the environment. For example, if I'm going to go into, if I'm going to go grocery shopping, which I need to do tomorrow, by the way, I'm going to turn my <laughs> dial way back way back so that I can go in, do what I need to do, and get out without having to feel like I'm picking up on the energy of other people. Uh, the other thing is, as someone who you described yourself as empathic and clairsentient, really important uh, when you know you're going to be in an environment with um, negative people, who perhaps are harboring negative energy prior to going into that environment, in a prayer or in a blessing, throw a veil or a shield of protection over yourself. You imagine it in your own head, a glorious golden shield fashioned from luminous light. It will insulate and encapsulate from head to toe. It will defend and protect, and it will repel and deflect anything that is not for your greater good of the highest order. Make sure you're conscious and aware of doing those things, and you should see that helping you to better self-regulate. All right. All right. Well, thank you, and have a good evening to you both. Thank you, Patricia, for your call. And just keep watching the calendar. We'll try to get William back so you can get your reading. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, those are two very good um, good examples of how to stay grounded. I like what you, you shared with her. And let's get to, because she, she kind of alluded to something we were talking to before we got on the air, which is the intensity of, of mood, motion, uh, emotion that's going on right now in the world today. And it brought me back to your book which is Under Spiritual Siege, How Ghosts and Demons Affect Us and How to Combat Them. That is such a timely book. I know you wrote that a little while ago, but um, tell us about how you think this is affecting us today. Yeah, that book came out, uh, I think it was five years ago now, but I have to tell you, Patricia, it. it I am so... Um, so gratified to know that this book has really been a valuable service to so many people because I think that a lot of folks are unaware of the ways in which they are actually inviting negative energy and attracting negative energy to them, and it is affecting their mood, it's affecting their relationships, it's affecting their ability to be good partners and good parents and good pet owners, believe it or not. And, um, I, you know, we, we, uh, like you, I'm perhaps more aware and sensitive to people who are um, angry and agitated and, and cynical, and we've seen a lot of that over the past five years or so with our country being so divided and so at odds with one another. And 
the book Under Spiritual Siege addresses uh, how to remedy all of that, but it also distinguishes those two different sectors of energy. So we're talking about two different types of entities. We're talking about ghosts, and a ghost is the soul energy of a human being who has divorced from the physical body by virtue of the dying process, but for whatever reason, and it's discussed in the book, has not transitioned to the heavenly realm, has chosen to remain behind. And then the other entity, which is um, much more complicated, is what I call demonic energy. And with, with ghosts, because they had been human, they still believe themselves to be human, they're in human mode in terms of functioning to the best of their ability, they have human thoughts and feelings and emotions, you can reason with them, you can rationalize with them, you can wear them down, you can help them to see that their current state of existence doesn't make sense. Most people can't see and hear them. Uh, you, you need to try to convince them there's a, there's a greater opportunity that lies before them. And I've done this before with ghosts. Demonic mm-hmm. energy, it, that's a whole other animal. It is an inhuman energy. There is no reasoning with it. There is no rationalizing with it. It thrives on chaos and destruction, and it will target children. It will target people with disabilities, especially people who can't talk. It will target people who are struggling with mental illness. It will target people who are struggling with addictions. And it will also target people who are very famous, very powerful, and very wealthy. No kidding. Hmm. Because those wow. are the people who have who have those are the people who have great influence over untold numbers of followers, right? Yes, that is right. Yes, and there has been a lot of talk about this and you know, they call it a conspiracy theory. I don't think it is. Because they talk a lot about the celebrity involvement with some very questionable uh immoral types of of practices which are extremely dangerous to children and <clears throat> deadly in some cases. So, yeah, there's been a lot of talk about that. And it's certainly you can see how how this this could manifest, how these these demonic entities find a host or find a group that they can influence and control. You know, a lot of people want power. A lot of people want power over other people. And isn't that something that demons really like to uh, pretend they can give you? I have to tell you, I, I this comes up often in my work, believe it or not. It really, really? does. Um, it, it, absolutely. Uh, it's a lot more common than I think people are aware. Um, mm-hmm. Again, people are, they're, a lot of times they're throwing out a welcome mat for these types of energy because of their conduct their behavior, um, what they watch, how they interact with each other, the video games they're playing. You know, it starts out very subtle. It starts out very, very simply and sometimes very deceptively. For example, I remember doing an investigation with a family 
um, who actually lived in a trailer, and they were under spiritual siege. And they were being bitten. They were being scratched. They were showing me pictures of all of this. And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it was was pretty intense stuff. And the scratches are always in strikes of three to to mock the Holy Trinity. Um, Mm -hmm. And they were under the impression it was the wife's deceased father. And so they were, I don't know how they got that impression, but, you know, these things can mimic Yes. Other, they can mimic loved ones. Um, and so uh, they were actually in trying to engage with it on a regular basis. And they're the oh, last no. people that should be doing that. And so I, I walked them through all of this. We blessed the, their home together. And on the way out, I said, now, this is your home, not mine. And now that you know, you have to make some lifestyle changes. I need to know from you, what are you going to start doing differently? And they, they were saying, you know, we love watching The Walking Dead so much and horror movies. Oh, gosh. I don't, yeah. that, I don't think we could. They said, I don't think we could give that up. And I said, well, you know, wow. I can't help you. Yeah. I can't help you. Right. You know, I invested all this time and energy in walking you through all of this. The situation was so serious that people were being bitten and scratched. And if you're not willing to make style changes to to give that negative energy less to work with i'm not i have to move on yeah how disappointing goodness i mean they just you know people need to understand it's not just entertainment they call it programs for a reason so they were being you know watching these programs being programmed and obviously they they were able to manifest something, provide a whole negative uh, circuit for this thing to come in and and scare the crap out of them. But it didn't scare them enough, I guess. I guess it didn't. You know, uh, I will also tell you this. Uh, Any time I have been in a situation, Patricia, where I have to sort of very quickly try to discern what am I dealing with? Am I dealing with a ghost or ghosts? Because that I can manage, or am I dealing with demonic energy? Anytime it's been demonic energy, there has always, always, without exception, been abuse and or addiction in that household. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that feeds well, them. That it's sense. like a dog that chases. It's like a dog that chases its tail round and round in a circle. One thing feeds into the other. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so it's it's not necessarily somebody opening up uh, a portal or doing, you know, something like uh, ching old objects that are cursed. There's nothing to do with that. It's just what you're doing in your life every day that you're throwing out the welcome mat for this stuff, right? It's your attitude. It's your behavior. It's how you're interacting with people. It's what you're eating. It's what you're drinking. It's what you're watching what you're looking at it's what you're you know it's everything everything you can create some sort of vehicle through which this negative energy can take hold i worry a lot about teenage boys and pornography and violent video games yeah yeah you do with good reason yeah 
I mean, violent video games, I've, I've seen them absolutely create this, this atmosphere that violence is okay. It's so acceptable. Because when you're playing it over and over and over again, where's the line between reality well, become, and fantasy? It gets blurred. Exactly. You, be, you become so desensitized to it. And um, as you well know, and our listeners well know, some of these teenage uh, boys, are, they're, they're spending you know, hours upon hours isolated in their rooms um, playing these games. And, you know, the girls get affected, too, because it's causing them to cut themselves and to make themselves throw up after they eat. And, you know, it, it's just vicious cycles. Ultimately, mm-hmm. what, what the demonic energy wants is to escalate the climate in a household to the point where the stage is set for a murder-suicide to occur. And I've seen uh, that happen. No yeah. kidding. And oh again, my. And again, and Patricia, and I, I have to give you credit for creating the forum in which we can feel comfortable to speak freely about all of this because a lot of, a lot of hosts uh, in this field, don't even, they don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about this. And my position is knowledge is power, mm-hmm. and we've got to I know agree. what we're up against. Well, we do. And there's just so much going on in the world today that is uncomfortable beyond belief. We have to know something about where it's coming from and if we're contributing to it so we can choose to stop that. We certainly don't want to feed it. And you're bringing up some very important points about how we feed it. We may not be conscious about all the ways we feed it, but we do. We, this is our creation. Our consciousness, our way of life is creating this. So it is important to be talked about. I I had a, a teacher, a Cherokee medicine woman, many years ago who used to say, where there is that much light, it attracts that much darkness. You have to take responsibility for both. So it is a very important thing to talk about. And, I again, I'm still a little bit in shock that this family who helped couldn't see their own participation in this. But I guess that's not uncommon. It's not uncommon, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, yep. And what are your thoughts about the demonic presence on the planet today? Do you feel that it's more than it's ever been or just more visible than it's ever been? It does feel pretty heavy. That's a really great question. Well, I don't have enough of a grasp of world history to know if it's more than it's ever been. Uh, But... uh, it, again, it's it, perhaps it's that sensation of feeling like everything is accelerating, that we're becoming more aware of it, especially if we're very sensitive people. We're becoming sort of more aware of, of things being maybe more, more public. Um, and I, it, maybe it's being reflected in people's behavior also publicly. Um, I just try to lead by example. I try to be a decent human being. I try to be even-tempered and to uh, do gratis work for people where and when I can and to, um, to just try to set an example to contribute my wonderful. part. Yeah, that, that is well, what and you're, you need. And you're doing your part as well, my dear. <laughs> Well, good. I'm glad I'm contributing in a positive way because, yeah, we do need to talk about all of these things and find some way out of the darkness. 
I mean, one of the things that I really give people credit for is their sense of humor in this country. People in this country have a great sense of humor. And I remember having a guest on some time ago, and they said they never let the uh, entity, whatever it was, and I know it was something pretty horrible, um, scare them. And, in fact, they said, you know, we learned to laugh at it because it didn't want us to laugh at it. It wanted us to be afraid. And they chose to laugh at it instead. So it's, you know, there's something about this healing aspect of humor and not allowing something to scare you into paralysis and and scare you into uh, believing this thing is going to or allowing this thing to get you. So, um, but this country is great for that. May I, yeah. may I interject just a moment up, up to that point? I, what I tell people is because some people become so preoccupied with combating this negative energy that it consumes their life to the point of obsession, and so they're actually feeding it even more in trying to combat it because they're allowing it to overtake their lives. And My position is you, you have to – take it seriously, but you also have to treat it like a nuisance and that it, yes. you're not going mm-hmm. to give it your time and your attention. And so part of that could be the humor. The other thing that I think is um, in, extremely important in disempowering the negative energy is to illuminate the truth, mm-hmm. to illuminate yeah. the truth about yourself, your faults, your frailties, and for everyone that you uh, cohabitate with to do the same and you don't give it anything to work with then that's perfect and it's 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 also a lot to do with shamanic healing techniques where you have to embrace yourself everything about yourself and yeah and love it no matter what it is so yeah it makes perfect sense what you're saying and you know it's so much going on politically i've got to bring it around to this because it's i mean this has become just this hilarious thing with this let's go brandon it's very funny and i saw it start as i mentioned several weeks ago when i was watching the nascar race where all of this you know had its point of origin (laughs) so but what i i have to say is how creative everybody got around it so these chants and and it became this unification and it also became this humorous unification again that's what i i see in america that this is where we're different and we approach things that way so no matter what your political beliefs are i don't really care don't come at me about you know i'm this supporter or that supporter i'm talking about this in terms of what you just said you know illuminating the truth and also joining together in, in some type of humor over the subject and not wanting to give the darkness the power. That's, that's all so important. So we need, to, we need to keep looking at that. Don't give the darkness the power. And I think we'll be okay <laughs> through these Beautifully said. Waters. Beautifully said. And <laughs> I, I think we'll be okay, too. Yeah, I, I I hope so. Um, but this illumination of the truth that you mentioned that really that really stood out when you said that we we can't pretend things are a certain way. We can't. You know, we have to see it for what it is. So that's where the illumination is also very important. And I think there were a lot of people last year that didn't see things for what they were. 
Um, they were off somewhere. I don't know where they were, but yeah, we need to see things for what they are, and that means ourselves well, too, ha- which isn't easy and as easy. Yeah. I have to tell you, um, Patricia, I I recently sat with a young gal in a a private reading, and um, she sat, you know, total stranger, young young gal, and she, I I, I was ended up channeling her deceased brother-in-law who had overdosed and he he said don't um, learn from me what not to do and I said to her are you yourself an addict and she said yes I'm a recovering oh, addict and I thought wow. I thought this was so powerful for this young girl who had never met me before didn't know me from Adam to sit there and you know, she was nervous because of what was happening, and the, it was her first time with me. And um, for her to confess that to me, I thought, that's what I'm talking about. Illuminate the truth. You're not giving anything dark, anything to sink its hooks into, because you have no secrets. If right. you would sit across from a strange, if you're sitting across from a total stranger and saying, this is the truth about my past, this is who I have been, I'm in recovery, then you're home free. That's right. That is so true. Yep. Yes, exactly. So I said to, I said to her, you know, I really admire you and keep going. Whatever you're doing, it's working. Keep going. Right. Yes, that's what we want to see people do. You know, keep walking into the light. Keep admitting what the issue is and take it by the horns and deal with it. So you're, it's a wonderful opportunity. I would imagine you feel very grateful every day uh, being able to be a part of people's healing like this. Well, remember, Patricia, it doesn't come from me. It comes through me. So I'd never take personal credit for any of it. And that contributes to hopefully, my ability to stay humble through it all. Uh, it is a, a, a collaborative and cooperative process between me and um, all of my spiritual allies and resources. And again, it is with the intention of being of good and hopefully great service to others. I also only allow people to have a private session with me one time a year. And oh, so, um, interesting. Okay. Yes. Oh, absolutely, because I do not in any way wish to foster any kind of dependency. And I have actually told people, and I've had people's loved ones say, you don't need this man, meaning me. You don't Mm -hmm. need me. You have everything that you need already. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's no dependency, which is nice. Because I do know, I've heard of some people who do encourage that, and you don't want to encourage that. You want to encourage people to find their own way. So, yeah, that's another reason why the book that you've written, again, the name of the book, everybody, is The Practicing Psychic, An Essential Guide for Staying Grounded, Navigating Skeptics, and Honoring Your Gift. So... Gosh, William, this has been so amazing. Well, tell me one quick thing because we're running out of time, but how do you handle skeptics? (laughs) Well, I want to tell our listeners, Patricia, that I'm a skeptic also. 
So I have really high standards of excellence for myself. And if I fall short of that, then I feel like I'm not delivering everything that I need to be um, in, in terms of wanting to be as authentic as a human being can possibly be. And it's got to be pretty, pretty spot on to impress me. So there's a difference between being a skeptic, which is someone who is maybe they're on the fence. Maybe they want to gather information first. Maybe they want an opportunity to have their own experience and then decide from there. And if it's a powerful and authentic enough experience, then they may become a believer by virtue of being a knower. And that's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I'm, I'm all yeah. for being a skeptic. And there are absolutely people who are working in this field who are frauds and charlatans. And mm-hmm. so you do have to be skeptical. But there are also cynics. And a cynic is someone who has already made up their mind that it's all a bunch of baloney and there's no convincing a cynic because they have to have the last word. Yes, that's a very important difference that you just enlightened us about. So, yeah. Oh, this has been great, William. Oh, I'm so glad you made it to the show tonight. And we'll definitely have Thank you, you so back much for, for reading. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me back. It's been a ball. We covered a lot in a short period of time, and I want to send love and healing energy to PK. Oh, thank you. We all do. Thank you for saying that. And, oh, my goodness, Um, we want to also continue to hear about your ET experience. It sounds fascinating. So, everybody, we're going to be back next week with another great show. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.